0: This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi everyone and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. And today I'm discussing why how we work is so topical with Dr. Amantha Imber, Dr. Imber is an organisational psychologist and founder of behavioural science consultancy Inventium. Amantha is also the co-creator of the Australian Financial Review's Most Innovative Companies list and the AFR Boss Best Places to Work list. Amantha is also the host of the number one ranking business podcast, How I Work, Amantha's thoughts have appeared in Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Entrepreneur and Fast Company, and her latest book, Time Wise, was released in July 2022. Amantha, you've consulted to some of the largest, most influential organisations in the world and your podcast, How I Work, is ranked number one in business podcasts, up to 3 million downloads now. Uh, Over 4 million now. Oh, my goodness. Over 4 million. I mean, as organisational psychologists, clearly we're interested in how we work. But why do you think so many people are so interested?
1: Well, I think we we spend about a third of our adult lives, our waking hours at work. And, you know, I, I think that the pandemic has really brought a more human centric approach to work and you know, putting human beings at, at the centre of the work experience. So people, I think, are not settling for maybe what they did before and they realise that there's a better way. So I yes. think that there are a few reasons why, you know, org psych and the psychology of work is of interest.
0: Yes, because we knew all of these trends were, were definitely happening before the pandemic, that people wanted more flexibility, they were crafting their jobs, their careers even more, they wanted more autonomy, freedom, um, and all these great things that the pandemic seemed to have really driven um for for employees so that we now, of course, have the power shift that was already happening, really very exposed and very obvious that employees now have a lot more power than they used to have, which
1: is an exciting time really, isn't it? Definitely. Yes. I, I think it's a very good thing that um, that the, the power balance has shifted. Yeah.
0: In your consulting, have you seen a shift And and are you seeing that the top stakeholders are really um, interested in this and helping this this shift in power for individuals? Certainly, you know, when I was consulting 30-odd years ago, it was almost soul-destroying to try and drive change through organisations because of the hierarchical nature structure that was really um, putting, forcing the grassroots, putting the employees in a position where they had to change, whereas the top stakeholders weren't really buying in. Um, but I guess they must be buying in these days or are you seeing a great divide in those organisations that do, that are enlightened and those that aren't?
1: Yeah, look, I think for organisations that approach us at Inventium, which is the behavioural science consultancy I run, I think that they do recognise that there is a better way and they're striving to help people um, improve their well-being at work, improve the way they approach their work, um, their personal productivity, so that they can really be making um, progress on the things that matter to them. So that's certainly what we're seeing the leading organisations do, which are, yeah. um, you know, the ones that tend to approach us, I'd say.
0: Yeah, because they would be the conscious ones, aware, fully aware they're going to lose their staff if they don't make the changes. Where I think you're seeing, I'm certainly seeing organisations that continue to not be enlightened and are losing their staff through burnout and turnover
1: yeah, and I think that's that's been a huge um problem uh, in twenty twenty two given like I haven't I haven't seen the the war for talent this rife, but I, I think that there's, you know there's huge pressure on leaders to provide a uh, a really unique and compelling point of difference about their workplace. Um you know I'm not sure what twenty twenty three holds um, you know, in in terms of things shifting a little bit, but it's been pretty intense in twenty twenty two
0: yeah, it has. It's it's like that pandemic really um, escalated everything, brought it all to the fore. Um, and yeah, as you say, we spend so much of our time at work that this is an opportunity for people not only to reinvent organisations, as you say, but themselves very much as workers. And, and I think that's you know i don't know what what the futurists are, t- are saying is coming for us as individuals but we are changing so fast now in all ways aren't we
1: yeah we yeah we absolutely are
0: so what got you into organizational psychology
1: well i grew up with a mother that was a clinical psychologist and she would share with me stories about the kinds of 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 work um and you know people that she would work with and problems that she would try to solve, and she would describe herself as a detective of the mind, which I, I thought was really cool. And I also wanted to go into a profession where I was helping people in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um. I assumed that I'd become a clinical psychologist, like my mum, because I think it's a fascinating field. Yeah. But in second year psychology, I learned about the different fields and. Organizational psychology was something I didn't know about, uh, you know, which is essentially helping people perform better and be happier at work. And I thought, that sounds great, because I'd I'd always been concerned if I went into clinical psychology, how would I, you know, distance myself from the emotional intensity of the work? Whereas with organizational psychology, um, uh, you know, it's obviously a very different type of work to clinical psych and I find it suits me really well. I'm so curious about, you know, why we do the things that we do and why we behave the way that we do. And I feel like it's a noble pursuit to go, how can I improve the thing that people spend, you know, by some account sixty to 80,000 hours of their life doing um, and make that be a little bit or even a lot better for them?
0: Yeah, and you do with your books and with your consulting and your podcast, and it's where we show, we present our real self as much as most places as well, isn't it, at work? So we we do see the person and the, as we say in organizational psychology, the fit between the individual and the organization and the team and so forth. And and that fit is always fascinating where the individual person shows up and how they do and and how we help them um, in a way that still means that they're protected. And psychological safety has come to the fore now as one of these features from the pandemic, which is very fantastic. Um, and yeah, as you say, it's, it's, it's very fulfilling to do that work of helping people in a place where they spend most of their time.
1: Yeah, it's, it absolutely is.
0: Yeah. And it's always interesting to see how psychologists end up in the specialized field they end up in. And um, yeah, I take your point about psych being very differently demanding. Mm. So what do you think it is about your podcast that drove you to to set that up?
1: Well, I've been wanting to do a, a podcast for a while, but I i mean, there are so many different podcasts out there that I didn't want to just start one that was going to be uh, similar to other podcasts that, that were out there because I, I don't think that um, the world needs more content that is similar to other content that is out there. So um, it, it took me a while to think about, you know, look, what's something that I'm really curious about that also I... I couldn't see out in the podcast domain which when I started How I Work in 2018 was very different um to to how it is now I mean it's uh it's even more flooded now in terms of the number of podcasts being launched every day um but the question that I wanted to 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 get answers to is I would observe these people that are highly successful in their field Um, and you know like in organizational psychology I, I look to someone like Adam Grant who's a hero of mine and you know Adam has the same amount of hours as the rest of the organizational psychologists in the world and the rest of us mere mortals as well yet he has achieved so much more than the average org psych with you know how he uses his time and I thought well surely that's true of people that have achieved a lot and so how I work sets out to uncover kind of go behind the scenes of how people approach their work so not the work that they're producing not the ideas that they're putting out into the world but actually how are they using their time how are they structuring their days how you know what are the what are the um like time or efficiency hacks that are working for them how do they stay energized throughout the day so mm-hmm. i had all these questions and they're the questions that i unpack on the show um and i couldn't find those answers anywhere else so you know when i started it i thought well this feels like something unique to be putting out into the world. And, you know, I guess it was, you know, 4 million downloads later.
0: And that's fantastic for our time as well, because with so much, as we say, VUCA times, the volatile uncertain times we're in, uh, people are needing to manage their boundaries, manage their time and be productive in areas, yes, at work and other areas, because we've got so much taking our attention. So how useful is your podcast? Very
1: Thank you. I, I would like to think it's a good use of people's time if they if they check <laughs> out how I work, yes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All the tips that are there from all these high-functioning individuals. Um, I've seen you interviewed about productivity and um, beautifully on the, the use of the word no. Um, again, boundaries um, and the four-day week that I believe your company's now um, finding is very successful. Well, we see benefits to the four-day week so that people have a more balanced life they can be more productive and they can save that one day of the week i'm wondering whether some organizations will pick up on the four-day week but not be able to make it work well for the individual
1: i think it does require change i mean to ask someone to do five days worth of work in terms of what they are allocating five normal length or maybe more than normal length days to and suddenly find a way to, to cram that, in inverted commas, into four days, like you can't just keep doing things the same way. Mm-hmm. That is completely illogical and irrational to go, that will work. So yeah. we found and we've certainly worked with a lot of organisations um, and spoken to a lot that have adopted the four-day week uh, that things need to change so we um like Unilever for example uh have have been one of the higher profile larger organizations to adopt the four-day week um you know we we've been fortunate enough to work with them to help train their staff on how to change their work behaviors and how to improve their productivity so that they can comfortably still be a hundred percent um productive in in terms of how the four-day week works where you are expected to produce the output of a full timer, but do that in 80% of the time. So, you know, to think that you can do that without uh learning or doubling down on productivity strategies, I um I think is uh um yeah, a bit of a misnomer.
0: Yeah, and a great use of an org training and um, research to be able to help redesign the work practices and the workplace and the culture and um is it very restrictive do you find of individuals to be in a four-day work week do they are they finding that they may have um paid too much attention to their phones and now that they they're restricting that use i mean that's got to be good for their mental health
1: look it is where they're able to um control that behavior uh so like it it certainly it doesn't work. I think it's really hard to condense your week into four normal length days if you are still um, falling victim to a lot of digital distractions during the day like if you've got social media or your inbox open all day yeah. um it's it's really hard to be fully productive and actually fit a full-time job into four normal length days. So yeah. you know, therein lies the challenge for companies that are moving to a four day week to really think how do we, how do we train people um, in what are more productive work habits, but also how do we get those habits to stick? Like it's mm. one thing, you know, um, having your inbox mostly closed for one day, but it's another maintaining that behaviour over a three or six or a 12 month period.
0: Yeah. As you say, it's a big change and a lot of adjusting for a lot of people. I guess some industries won't be able to move that way and that will just be the nature of different work. Is
1: that what you see? Well, look, from the research that I'm across, I, I haven't encountered any industries that um, that simply can't make it work. I know that uh, Andrew Barnes, who's um, the co-founder of the four-day week movement, mm-hmm. has, um, you know, has got evidence that it's worked across, I think, almost every industry that there is um certainly some industries will have unique challenges for example if you've got shift workers um that presents unique challenges but they're certainly not insurmountable um it's just thinking um you know sometimes creatively about how do you overcome that
0: Mm. and I'm not across the research on what the downsides are for the four-day week but there must be some
1: Look, there's there's actually not a lot from from the research. Uh, it's mostly upside, but I mean, it does require a, a leadership team or an executive team or a board ultimately taking a leap of faith into something that's going to be very very foreign to them, um, and a, a, and kind of hoping that they're like the you know hundreds or thousands. I'm not sure how many point at this time of other companies around the world that that have trialed the four day week. I think the key is to Start by seeing it as an experiment. Um, that's certainly what we did at Inventium when we uh, tried it out two and a half years ago. So we ran it as a six-month experiment. We had hypotheses that um, that we uh, wanted to assess in terms of why we thought it would be a good thing for the business. And we collected a lot of data um, with our team and... Uh, all our hypotheses um, were were supported. So it was a really successful experiment. But I think for leaders, you know, rather than thinking you have to take make a big permanent change, yeah. see it as an experiment. I know that for um, Andrew Barnes at Perpetual Guardian, it started at an, as an eight-week experiment. Mm. And if it fails, it fails. Yeah. Um, but there's a really good chance that it will succeed.
0: Yeah. And with that fantastic scientific approach, then you're more likely to see where it might fail and how you could make it work better rather than just trying to implement it up front. A staged approach. Great. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So where do you see your work going for the future? Do you see yourself doing more of the same or I think see you pivoting quite beautifully um, in the changes in the world. Are you, as you say earlier, waiting to see what maybe the next years and so forth will bring and where the needs are going to be?
1: Look, a big focus for us is thinking about how can we continue to build what we would refer to as focused fitness. Um, You know, I think it's become increasingly hard, particularly for knowledge workers, to do deep focused work in the age of digital distraction. Um, You know, we already have programs that address that and get really good results in terms of productivity and wellbeing gains. But I think Mm -hmm. that there's more we can do on that front. So we're currently running experiments to look at how can we build people's um, ability to focus or their focused fitness. And... um, you know, if like if if that's of relevance for people listening, um, I would welcome them to get in touch um, because we are running experiments at the moment. If you if you came to be a part of that,
0: fantastic! And again, that's so helpful for all of us with our attention being almost robbed by uh, tech these days. And yes, tech's a great thing, but learning how to keep abreast of it and the changes and the the way it controls us is such a big task particularly uh, in the world of work where a lot of people have to use their tech
1: uh, yeah it's um i think it's a really big challenge that a lot of companies are facing so we we are trying to help solve that one fantastic and i'm asking all my guests what makes you psyched for life what makes me psyched for life um well certainly in the work domain uh what motivates me is just having having a, as big impact on as as many people as possible um you know I, I see my role as an organizational psychologist to help make complex science which is often hard to interpret um you know reading academic journals and and make that simple and practical for um for for the average um person who works uh and you know that's that's really what I've dedicated the last 15 years to and um what what I continue to do through through my writing work, um, the podcast and my work at Inventium.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, the listeners for your podcast are so lucky to have all the insights of your uh, deep research and experience and organisations are obviously benefiting tremendously. To contact Dr. Amantha Imber, go to www.inventium.com.au. Thank you so much, Amantha, for being a guest on the podcast. My pleasure. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist service on 1800 333 497 or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14, and Kids Helpline, again 24-7 on 1800 55 1800, and both are free of charge. find out more about me please visit my website dramandaferguson.com.au you can find the link in my show notes the opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me